0: science story, huh? These NYU scientists, scientist? Uh, they felt it. I, right. I was so And happy. I just thought, oh, well. I figured
1: it wow. out. I it was that, that
0: tall. golden moment. Because science was on my side. Hi, everyone. I'm Ben Lilly, and welcome to the Story Collider, where we bring you true personal stories about science. This week's story is from Ali Matu. It was recorded in December 2015 at Union Hall in Brooklyn.
1: I was born in San Jose, California, but you probably know this place as Silicon Valley. And I came of age right after the PC revolution was ending and a few years before the internet revolution was beginning. You'd think that being in this world of innovation and just so much technological advancement, some of that stuff would rub off on me, but it didn't. I was a kid who would play video games and then get hungry and ride my bike to Burger King where I'd get a Whopper because it was a 99 cents for a limited time which ended up lasting like a decade. Um, (laughs) And then I would come home. That was kind of my day. That's what I did. My dad was really worried about me and he knew that I had friends that were hopeful of becoming an astronaut, or a president, or maybe the next software engineer CEO, and I didn't really have those dreams. He confessed to me years later that he was afraid I might never graduate high school. My brother was the person who was going somewhere, and he and I had a 10-year age gap, so Everything he did was awesome. He was the older brother. He had it all together. He was a computer scientist. Very cool thing in Silicon Valley. He spoke five languages. Um, he, was, he was a Street Fighter II champion. Like, literally, he was a Street Fighter Two champion. And what's so cool about my brother is not only did I always want to hang out with him, but he would always let me tag along. In fact, he invited me. So we would do things like go to the arcade, which, if you don't remember what that is, you bring a sack of quarters with you, and you walk up to these machines, and you put your quarter on, and then you wait your turn, and then you play your game, and it lasts like 30 seconds, and then you gotta wait for like 15 minutes and like take out another quarter. I know it sounds like it kind of sucks compared to your smartphone games, but it was pretty awesome back then. And I would watch him kick butt, always with Ryu, never with Ken, to the point where he... (laughs) To the point where he was getting recruited by Capcom to work on future Street Fighter games. And he would take me to the playground and he uh, taught me how to shoot a basket and make sure your hand always goes into the cookie jar, stuff like that. Um, He would tutor me in science classes and math classes because I didn't really care about school, hence the dad worrying I wasn't going to graduate high school. He would also take me to movies, a lot of movies that I was probably not uh, old enough to see. Uh, But one movie in particular that he took me to was Star Trek VI, The Undiscovered Country. Now, I had seen Star Wars at this point, and I was a fan of those movies, but they scared the crap out of me. Imagine this universe that has like the worst architectural design where you can like, easily fall off into this like, abyss and just like die. Um, and then like, people just like lose their limbs. I think someone loses an arm in every movie you've got Moss Eisley, and then you've got uh, Cloud City and then of course, a Finale and Return of the Jedi and then people are shooting lightning out of their hands. it's like really scary if you think about it. so I didn't really want any part of that and I I saw Star Trek and I was like, this is different. There's something different about this. This is us projected into the future and we've evolved. We've become better that got me excited and my brother drove us back i was nine and he was 19 and he saw the gears turning in my head in a way they really hadn't before we get home and he says you know that was star trek six right there's like five other movies and i was like what i had no idea of how roman numerals work you know i thought it was like star trek like VI, the undiscovered country. Um, So we went to Blockbuster, which if you don't remember, it's a place where before Netflix, you brought a couple of bucks, you would get a VHS. If it's already taken out, you're screwed. And then you have to go home. It probably wasn't rewound, which would really piss you off. And you rewind it and you watch it. So we binge watch all the other Star Trek movies. And I was like, that's awesome. And then one day we're flipping channels and he's like, what's this? And it was Star Trek: The Next Generation. It was airing. So we start watching that. And then what happens next is my brother and I would watch all these episodes of Star Trek: The Next Generation and stay up late talking about what it all meant. Now, again, I'm nine. I don't know what it all means, but here's my brother kind of helping me think through all this stuff and helping me to understand that science fiction is really about questions of what if. It's not about the future. It's about now. It's about what would humanity do in these situations, it's about why we do these things. And so I fell in love with science fiction. For the first time, I was really excited about stuff. So we started watching Planet of the Apes and all of those movies. We started watching Sequest, DSV, and then we started watching Terminator, Terminator 1 and 2. We didn't really have, yeah, Terminator. We didn't have any Rise of the Machines or Terminator Salvation or Terminator Genesis* or whatever it's called. Um, we only had Terminator 1 and 2, and it was awesome. And those were my, the best memories I have of my childhood years. Now, I did graduate high school. Yeah, I did it. Um, I also got rejected from every college I applied to. So, again, not really interested in much, but science fiction. And I was pretty devastated when I got that last rejection letter. Damn you, UC Davis. Um, And... And so my brother took me aside, and he said, hey, remember that episode, Tapestry, of Next Generation, where Picard could go back in time, and he could undo something he regretted? And he learned that if he did that, he became this really crappy ensign, and all he did was like, deliver these pads around, and he never learned from that huge setback in his life. That can be you. You can learn from this. You can grow from this. And I was like, yeah, I can be like Picard. And so he said, why don't you go to community college, take a few classes, see what you're interested in. So I did that. Took a bunch of different classes. And then one day I was sitting in introductory psychology. Sat in the back of the classroom with my hoodie on, because that's what you did when you were a rebellious Silicon Valley kid. Um, And apparently that's what you do also if you're a Silicon Valley CEO. You just take the (laughs) hoodie part off, I think. So I... Started to connect the dots and I was like this psychology stuff is interesting It's the science that answers all the questions raised by science fiction What if why how who all that kind of stuff? It's a science of us and then everything sort of clicked I started doing something I never did before, reading my assigned reading, and I started reading ahead. I took more classes, majored in psychology, transferred to a pretty good university, uh, spent a year working at NASA at a psychology lab, applied to PhD programs, got into one, and throughout all that time, While my brother and I became geographically separated, we remained in contact. And science fiction was still the thing that kept us united. Uh, We would, every Saturday morning, pick up the phone and call each other and talk about last night's episode of Battlestar Galactica. And we debated what it all meant about the war in Iraq and the war war on terror and all this kind of stuff. It was awesome. There's this thing in psychology called a flashbulb memory. And a flashbulb memory is when you remember every single detail about a critical moment in your life. And I've got this flashbulb memory for this Monday morning where I was, I woke up, it was about 7.30 in the morning, and I looked over at my phone and it had about 10 missed calls. They were all from my dad. And I pick up the phone and I listen to the voicemail and my dad says, Ali, your brother isn't on this earth anymore. He's committed suicide, and I don't remember much of what happened after that. I remember going to a funeral. I remember going through the motions, but my head wasn't really there. My brother, just a few years after, just a few years before he died, was diagnosed with bipolar depression, and it really shocked all of us, including him. And he really struggled with that. And in those few years after he was diagnosed, before he died, his life very quickly unraveled. And I don't really remember the funeral. I don't remember all that stuff. But I do remember flying back home and um, sitting in my chair. It was one of those times where you, you know, you you like pray no one is sitting beside you because you have that middle seat. And the flight was almost full and then, Someone sits right next to me, and this guy wants to start talking. The worst people in the world at that point. (laughs) Um, And he seems nice enough, but he's like, where are you coming from? Where are you going? Things like that. And eventually he starts asking me, what's your family like? Do you have any brothers or sisters? It was the first time I was asked that question after my brother died. And I said, no, I'm an only child And we kept talking, the flight took off, and then I said, excuse me, I undid my seatbelt, left the seat, went to the laboratory, and there at 40,000 feet in the air, I had a panic attack. And that's what I learned. I learned that this was something I couldn't talk about. My brother was now off limits. I was an only child, and the way I'm going to deal with this anxiety is by avoiding it. That's what I did. So when people would be around me and maybe they'd start saying something like, oh, I'm so pissed off at my boss, I just wanna shoot myself, I'd turn off my my brain. That's what I did. Or I'd leave the situation. Or if someone asked me about my family, I'd say, yeah, I've got uh, my parents are alive, they're retired, and I'm an only child. That was my reality. I remember being at Thanksgiving that year and sitting right across from me was this really nice guy named Carl. And we were talking, and then he eventually started telling me about his brother. And he said, oh, my brother, yeah, we have this really interesting relationship. He's like 10 years older than me. It was kind of like having a dad that never disciplines you. And inside my head, I was thinking, I, I, I know I want to talk to you about this, but I was paralyzed. I couldn't. I couldn't share those, those memories. The only time I ever saw my brother was in my dreams. Every week, at least once, I would go to sleep and I'd start to dream and I was home, the home I grew up in, and the door would open and there walks my brother through the door. And we have these conversations and I say, hey, I finished my PhD program. Hey, I'm getting married. Hey, where were you at the wedding? I missed you there. And that was the parallel universe where my brother lived. I took away all the photos of him. I stopped watching science fiction, and this was my reality. And then Star Trek was everywhere. There was photos. There was interviews. Everyone was talking about it. and I was like, damn it, J.J. Abrams. Um, So I went to see that movie, And it was the first time I was watching a Star Trek film. First time I was watching Star Trek anything without my brother. And it was painful. And I also was afraid J.J. Abrams was going to mess it up. But I loved it. I loved it so much. I love the lens flares. I love how the bridge of the Enterprise looks like an Apple store. I love everything about this movie. I especially love... Spock, this new Spock, he's bicultural. that spoke to me. He's lost a loved one and he's struggling with that complicated grief that happens. And that resonated with me. And after seeing that movie, there was something about Spock that lingered on. And he says in, in one of those films, I choose not to feel. And at that moment I made a decision, I don't wanna go down that same path. I'm gonna do something about this. So I wrote a story about how I discovered psychology, the role my brother played in that. And that story became a blog. And the blog grew and became, evolved into a podcast. That podcast transformed into a YouTube channel. And eventually along the way I earned this nickname, nickname, the science fiction psychologist. Which is pretty cool. (laughs) And I got invited to speak at Comic Con about the psychology of science fiction. And the more I did all that, the more I started talking about psychology and how I discovered it and what it means to me and science fiction and how the two interact, it got easier for me. Doing all of that, that became my therapy. And those dreams started to subside. And as I met people through Comic-Con, it started to remind me more of who my brother was and pulled him out of that parallel universe and brought him back to this reality. He never got to see any of this. He never got to see the person I became. He never got to see me being at Comic-Con and... The thing that really makes me, Well, there's a lot of things that make me sad about this. But one of the things that really makes me sad is he never got to see this golden age of geekery that we're all living in right now. Where these things... Yeah. These things that I used to uh, hide and keep to myself are now, like, really awesome and cool. And it really makes me sad that the last Star Trek my brother ever watched was Star Trek Enterprise? And Star Trek Nemesis? And... Then the last Star Wars he ever saw were the prequels, and he thought, that's it? And here we are on the verge of Star Wars, The Force Awakens, and Star Trek Beyond is coming out next year, and the world is an awesome place. He never got to see that. But my hope is that by sharing my story, hopefully I can do for others what my brother did for me.
0: That was Ali Matu. Ali is a clinical psychologist at the Columbia University Clinic for Anxiety and Related Disorders, where he specializes in the treatment of OCD, hair-pulling, and skin-picking disorders. Outside of the hospital, Ali is an advocate for the brain and behavior sciences through his positions on National Psychological Associations and his presentations at Comic-Cons. He writes about the psychology of science fiction at brainknowsbetter.com in hopes that it will help others develop a love for psychology, just like Star Trek did for him. Ali is also the host of The Psych Show, a youtube channel dedicated to making psychology fun and easy to understand the story Collider is produced by me brian Wack, Darren barker ari daniel christine gentry skylar bear and liz neely the podcast is produced by rose Evelith. additional help from brooke williams lana groger and justin d'ambrosio the theme music is by ghost special thanks to oberon for hosting the show and to Gene roddenberry you know what you did thanks for listening